Wow, wasn't that great? I've heard that in many versions, but I think that's so far my favorite. Thank you for sharing with us today. Can you believe today is in December 1st? Where did the year go? I just blinked and I thought we just had a baby born, but <laughs> he's 15 months old now. We've got another one-year-old with us. I mean, this, this year has just flown by. Glad to be here today. I, said, I asked people, I said, it looks like you didn't do this yesterday. And they look at me kind of strange. I said, you're still here. If you did, you'd have been some other county. But I guess this is what they talked about, the wind blows in West Texas. And so now we're here to uh, another Advent season. My wife is not feeling well. She, she's not with me today, so I can tell you she, this will be her 40th Advent season. <laughs> but it's great to, to get this time of year. You know, I ask the kids, are you uh, pre-decorators for Christmas or post-decorators for Christmas when we think about Thanksgiving? I'm just curious, who decorates before Thanksgiving? Raise your hand. So we've got a few over here, a few back there. rest of you, you, I'm assuming you're either like me where you just remember to put it up before Christmas Eve to make sure you have something to put gifts under. Or, or you, you decorate, uh, you know, the Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, so it's interesting when we talk about Advent. So it's not something that, as Baptists, that we traditionally celebrate and, and think of, because we don't really follow the liturgical church calendar like some of our, our brethren in, in other denominations. Uh, but it, it is an interesting one for us to follow because it, it represents this coming, this coming of Jesus Christ into the world. But Advent also has a, another dimension that sometimes we neglect this time of year of Christmas. As we are waiting for Jesus Christ's birth to enter the world as this sweet, innocent little child, we are also longing for him to return as the triumphant king to put an end to all the misery that we see around us. Because we know we live in this kind of in-between time. We live in a time where Jesus Christ has already come. He has already fulfilled the prophecies that spoke about him. He, he has already taken the sin of death, the sin of death, and destroyed it. But he, he left us here to spread the gospel, to spread the good news for everyone. And he has not yet fully eradicated evil from this world. So we're waiting for his return. We're waiting for him to come and finally do away with that and bring in the new heaven and the new earth that we long for. And so now we're in this period of waiting, of his coming. And so, you know, for us, not, those of us who have not uh, experienced this Advent in a liturgical sense, uh, you know, we get it mixed up. Now, are we supposed to be penitent, uh, worrisome, you know, looking inwardly at all the sin and corruption in our life? Well, that's just an itty-bit part of it. You should be doing that anyway. So you should constantly be reflecting on how you live. Am I living like Jesus or am I not? And most of us will say, no, I'm probably not. There's things that I could do to get better. That's why we grow in our faith. We're not born with this perfect sense of duty. And so we have to grow. And so Advent is this, it's really more about preparation. 
And so just as we prepared our houses for, for guests or that we prepared ourselves to go visit or we just prepared to have Thanksgiving amongst our, our own family, is we prepare for Thanksgiving like we do for Christmas. This is how we prepare our hearts. It is not about looking inwardly and thinking how evil I am, because we all can do that every day of our lives. This season is about preparing ourselves for Jesus to come. Preparing ourselves. So this is getting ready for a party. Who likes to go to a party? Come on now. <laughs> who, go, who likes to go to a good party? Thank you. That's a little bit better. I guess we had to go, like, are they looking at me when I'm raising my hand or something? <laughs> I wasn't looking to go start, like, making a list. But this is about preparing our life for a celebration. It is about preparing ourselves for something great that has taken place. It is about preparing ourselves for this birthday party. We'll have a musical that celebrates the birth of Jesus. This is a preparation for something that is good. So this season isn't about mourning. It isn't like Lent, if you celebrate that, where you're, you're, you're mournful of all the sins that brought death upon Jesus. This is about a celebration of a life that is an answer to God's plan on how it was. And so when we look at the scriptures, if you have diligently studied them from Genesis to Revelation, you see that there is a plan woven into all the pages. From the creation of the world until its consummation, God had a plan from the beginning of time until the end. His plan involved you. His plan involved me. His plan involved many others. But it's intricately woven through these pages. And so as we look to see how God is working, we also have to see what has taken place. And so today we want to look at the scripture in the 8th chapter of Romans. This is going to guide us today. And then we're going to look at a few prophecies that tie into it and just kind of introduce this theme of hope. So in chapter 8, verse 22, it begins this way, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in the hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience, the scripture tells us. And so this theme of hope is this expecting something good, expecting something or, or, or trusting in. And it's the redemption of our bodies. It's the redemption of our souls. But did you notice in the beginning of this that it's more than just escaping this world? Because sometimes we as Baptists are, are prone to think that uh, our duty in life as we spread the gospel is so that others will come to this, this saving grace of Jesus Christ that one day they will escape this world, that they will defeat death in heaven. And so we long for this heavenly existence to where nothing bad happens because we're spirit. But the scripture doesn't say that we are going to completely depart from this world. No, the, spirits, the, the scriptures tell us that this world will also be redeemed. So it starts in creation. So we have to look at the story of creation in the beginning when everything came into being. We know that what God made was perfect. 
And then he put us there as, as image bearers, as those in his likeness, so that we would come and that we would be, take part in creation, in the naming of the animals and the plants and the trees and all this, that we were partakers with his creative work. We were supposed to be his sons and his daughters from the very beginning. But out of free will, we, we chose to go our own course. And we went off course, and sin and evil and death entered this world. Before sin came, this world was great. Think about it. If you were a farmer, the ground was always soft. It always had just the right amount of moisture. I love hearing our farmers pray, especially during planting season. It is this intricate prayer revolving just the right amount of moisture. We want moisture to come down. We really like the moisture to come down in the evening so we can work during the day, but only so it's enough to wet the soil and not make it muddy and sloppy so that it is workable and claim, claimable. And then we want it the, the right to start ticker, tapering off towards harvest. We know as farmers in this community that moisture is important, but also that it can be destructive. If we get too much... Or if we get it at the wrong time, it is not what we need at the time. But just think about a day when the moisture was always perfect. That it was the right conditions in the springtime when we planted. It was the right conditions during the growing season. It was the right conditions for harvest. Everything was perfect. You didn't have to spray for, for bow weevils or, or for weeds and these kind of things. That, they didn't exist. What you planted came to harvest every time. Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, there's a day coming when we'll get there. But right now we live in that corrupt day where even the earth groans, as in childbirth. It's an interesting image. Having five children, I have seen it. Thank God I have not experienced those pains. But as I watch my wife go through our, the different pregnancies we've had, you know, there's a lot of discomforts that come with pregnancies. you, you got to admit it. Guys, there's discomforts for us too, isn't it? I mean, we gain this weight that we can't get off and, and these kind of things. Uh, but, I mean, if we're trying to be supportive, our wives go through a lot of things. Women go through a lot of things to bring on on child. And, and uh, Paul realized this. And he saw this. He sees it in the pattern of scriptures. We can look at the problems that, that sin caused and all that kind of stuff. But this is the perfect analogy. It's this period of waiting that goes through pain. I mean, bodies change and transform for this one miracle to happen is the birth of a child. Our, the earth is longing for this. It is going through these pains, expecting something to happen. And this is where hope comes in this week. What if you got pregnant and you didn't know if you'd actually have a baby, but you could be eternally pregnant? Does that sound fun, ladies? I see some heads shaking. We would not want that, especially around seven, eight months along. But we don't have that. We know that there's going to be a, a period where it gets tough. And it's amazing that I've seen the birth of my children and I've seen how this expression changes within minutes of that baby being born. From the agony to joy. That is what hope is built on. Because we know that when the time is right, everything will go as it, it pleases. Now we live in a time where it doesn't always go that way. And that is the time that we live in. As the earth longs for 
better days. So our lives long for better days. I don't think any family member here has not experienced a tragedy in a pregnancy. And that is a sign of the times that we are in. And that's why we long for redemption. Paul says the whole creation groans. But we are the first fruits. We have found something that humanity had been looking for for such a long time. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, people, it seemed, lived in darkness. They saw evil all around them, and they longed. It says, the people who walked in darkness, they have now seen a great light. It says, those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, for them light has shone. This is this longing. This is this idea of darkness and evil and, and the power of sin and death. It's this deep dark. And when we think of death, we think of the ultimate darkness, of closing our eyes and never to be able to open them again. I've experienced darkness in, in uh, the cave system where they cut off the lights on field trips with children. I mean, darkness where you can't see your hand in front of your face, darkness. In the cities today, even in Floydata, as small as we are, there's no real true darkness anymore, is it? We have what's called light pollution. For those who uh, look at the stars know that you've got to get pretty far away to get away from this light pollution so that you can get a clear view of the, earth, of the celestial bodies in the sky, of these stars to look through your telescope and see. But darkness, this ultimate darkness, this darkness that those in the past would have experienced when the only light came out by flames or candles... That living just a little bit outside of the city, there was nothing but darkness. On those nights where, where the moon or the stars were covered, darkness. They were familiar with this idea of darkness. Even the psalmist, he said, oh, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This idea of darkness, the shadowy area. It is fearful. I know sometimes I've come home at night, and if I'm by myself and I can't reach, find a light switch or something like that, that's the times you, you were nervous because of the darkness when you can see even though the dangers are the same it doesn't seem to be as bad that's like I, I love watching documentaries that teach people how to walk type ropes you know these kind of things and they'll start off with the rope just a few feet above the ground and the people will walk just as easily as I'm walking on this stage same setup as they'll be now, you, you put them 30 feet up in the air. You don't have a net under them. Is it the same? No, it's not the same. Even though the mechanics are the same, the fear starts creeping in. So how do you learn to walk like that? You have to teach fear to go away. What if you are a roofer? Who likes to roof houses here? Not many of us. Anything over a 412th pitch, and if you know what that means, it's not very steep, I can go on. Anything past that, I will not. I'm a little bit larger, and I hit with a thud. <laughs> but darkness is this ultimate fear caster. But there's a thing about darkness. It is easily defeated, isn't it? With one little bitty light that comes in, 
what Isaiah saw so many years ago. He said, those who live in darkness, for them a light has shone. And this is why we celebrate Advent. This is why we long for Christmas, because a light has penetrated the darkness in a way that it cannot be extinguished. And that is why we light these candles week after week, is because we are getting closer to the light that enters the world. Also in chapter 9 it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is what Isaiah saw so many years ago. This is what we long to see. This is the, what the earth has experienced in the child Jesus. But yet we are still longing for everything to be made right. Mary, did you know it says? Did you know in Isaiah 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and, she shall, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. He's God with us. God with us. God with us, the light that pierced the darkness, the light that came into this world in the evil is here. And so there's an interesting thing that happens with this light. You know, in the days before Jesus, we were given the law, but we were unburdened by the flesh. And the children of Israel were given prophets to come and speak directly. I mean, think about Moses had this tent of meeting where God would meet with him like a friend and would give him instructions in leading the people. But over the years, we know that the history of those people, they weren't perfect, and, and they tended to, to screw things up. They practiced idolatry, which means they, they went after these other gods. They put something before God. But we still do that today. Our idols aren't engraven images, but they're, they're money and sex and all the other things that will distract us. They're jobs. They're even children. I mean, we have this thing now called, uh, we had helicopter parents, but now they're called bulldozer parents. Helicopter parents would hover over their children, but no longer is that happening. We have these bulldozer parents who push every obstacle out of the way of their child. If that's you, your child is your idol, believe it or not. If your world revolves around your child, that has become your idol. Your world should revolve around the child, Jesus. For he is the light that penetrated the darkness. And as we saw in Romans, when Paul was talking, about, talking to the Christians there, he said, we are not, I said, not only the creation, but we ourselves are the first fruits of the Spirit. We are the first fruits of the Spirit. When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we saw through the days of Pentecost that He sent His Spirit to live in us, this Holy Spirit that guided Jesus, that was in the books, in the prophets, and all this, that was from the beginning of time, as Jesus referred to it as our advocate, lives in our heart. That is the light. If we have the gospel, we have the light in our heart. 
And so it doesn't matter what we go out into. The darkness that this world has, we bring light with us. And no darkness can smother out light. If you ever walked to your car at night and the only flashlight you had was your cell phone, you know those little bitty bulbs, those LED lights, changes everything, doesn't it? Remember back in the day when we didn't have lights on our cell phone? We tried to walk to our car. You know how we did it? I bet you do. We bumped into stuff, we tripped over things, and we cursed a little bit. But now we have a light with us everywhere we go. We can turn it on, and we can see where we're going. Even the darkest night can't cover up that little bitty cell phone light. Even the glow from some watches is enough to penetrate the darkness. You ever been camping at night with a Timex watch? Trying to find something, you just hit that little indie glow button. Just the numbers lighten up. You can find what you're looking for. It's amazing how powerful darkness is. What fear it can bring into our hearts. It's amazing what one little light can do. One little child born can change everything. For it says, the spirit groans inwardly as we await. You know, sometimes we don't know what to do with this gift of grace that we have found. We look at our lives and all we see is that we mess up, that we can't ever measure up, that we're never good enough, even for our own expectations. We always seem to fail. Even Paul understood this. He goes on in verse 26, he says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. See, now that's the difference. In our flesh, we are weak. We are not yet redeemed fully. We have found the keys to the kingdom, but our bodies still languish in that in-between times, just as our world languishes, just as when we turn on the news, we see another tsunami or an earthquake or a, a fire. We see that our world suffers greatly. We hear about global warming and all the catastrophes that are taking place, and it groans for its own redemption, just for our souls groan for ours. But we have this thing, this Holy Spirit living in each of us as a child of God, as, as a sign unto us, as our adoption. For that is why we have been saved. We have been saved and given this hope, this hope that we can't see, this hope that we can't explain scientifically or, or show with experiments. We're given something that we can't prove with tangibleness, that other people will go, ah, they were right the whole time. But we have this truth because it is in our hearts. It is implanted there by the Spirit. And so sometimes when we look at our lives and realize that we screw up all the time. <laughs> the Spirit knew we were going to do it. We can't even pray good. We don't know how to pray. We try to pray for the lost. We try to pray for the sick. We try to pray for our loved ones. We try to pray for ourselves. We try to pray for decisions and discernment and all this. We always forget something. God knew we would because we're still living in that in-between time. We're in this, this period of Advent 
to where Christ has come, but we're longing for Him to come and make everything well, full, redeemed. Even the earth we want to be healed. Even the earth longs for healing. That's why He sent His Spirit to live in us, to plant the light in our heart, because our flesh will screw up. But that's why this time of year we're not looking inwardly to see how much we are indeed sinners. For we already know that. We already know that we are sinners saved by grace. What we look at is this time of year is that the Spirit now indwells in us and the light has come into the world. And now we carry light to wherever we go. Just like we carry our cell phones wherever we go and always have a little light handy. We have that light in us. So no matter how dark the world gets, we will be able to see. And when we join with other lights week after week, the light grows brighter until the whole world is flooded with it. And that is what we anticipate this season, is for the light to come into the world because we have found a hope that we can trust in. We can't prove scientifically why, but we know that we know that we know it is right because we have experienced how right it really is. And so as we, we wait, we remember those prophets who came and, and spoke to the children of Israel and spoke about this baby to be born, to be born of a virgin and, and all these things that he did as a sign. And we also see in the book of Revelations that there is a time coming where we will no longer have to experience the life that we live here on earth. But it tells us this in, in, in Revelations 21, 4. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. This is what we long for. This is the hope that we have found in the gospel. So when we celebrate Jesus' birth... We also celebrate the hope that he gave us, the hope that was experienced so many years ago, and we have the hope that this will all go well for us, that one day death will not bother us, one day the land will not be in pain, and we will finally be children of God the way we were created for in the beginning. So that is why we hope. That is why we have the strength of this season, because a little bitty bit of light is in our heart. No matter how much darkness this world throws at us, it cannot be smothered. For darkness cannot crush the light, but only light can crush the darkness. If you will, please join with me in prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for this time of year. We thank you for the hope that you have given us. A hope in a dark time. One that has been fulfilled in the past and one that will be fulfilled in the future. Lord, prepare our hearts for your coming. Prepare our lives for your coming so that we may celebrate what you have done and what you will do. It is in your name we pray. Amen. And now as we enter our time of invitation, if you have experienced Jesus Christ for the first time,
and you want to share your, your experience with others, please come forward. Or maybe you've been visiting our church for a time and you're ready to join us as a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe you're simply in need of prayer this holiday season.